I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. There are, um, we'll be going to uh, four other passages of Scripture after we read the story in Mark chapter 5, but I'll give you time to turn to those as we get there. Um, I, I don't know that I really have a message per se tonight, but I've got some thoughts that uh, the Lord laid on my heart this evening. And um, uh, we'll look at some scriptures, perhaps, that you're familiar with and paraphrase some things and hopefully give you a chance to see some things in a different way so that you can be stronger in your resolve to, re- to receive from God. Amen. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25, is one of the most instructive um, stories of someone receiving their healing in all of the scripture, in my opinion. It says in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, and notice verse 28, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, King James says virtue is literally the word power, had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? That's King James for saying, Everybody's touching you. But Jesus looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he, Jesus, said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, let's put together verses 28 and verse 34. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. There's many things that we could talk about regarding this uh, incidence of healing. And they'd all be good. But I want to focus on one thing tonight. And that is what she said was her faith speaking. What she said was her faith speaking. Now, I know that may seem simple. And you may have read this story along with me. Thousands of times, but it's so, so very important. It is the critical principle. What she said was her faith speaking. Now turn with me over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, there are two places in Scripture. Um, I think it's Luke chapter 6 and, um, well, where is it? Um, Matthew chapter 12, I believe it is. But anyway, two places in Scripture that uh, give us the same, um, two different accounts of when Jesus said what he's going to say that we're going to read here in these, uh, in these Scriptures. It's hard to tell if he's talking in two different places. I think he is. Or if it's just one, uh, two different accounts of the same, uh, same story. But in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is speaking on the Mount of Beatitudes. And let's start reading in verse 43. Luke chapter 6, verse 43, Jesus says, For a good tree brings not forth fruit. I'm sorry, let me start over. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For, here's the principle, for of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Now when the Bible's talking about heart and Jesus referring to the heart here, he's got to be talking about the spirit of man. 
And he's saying very specifically, he's saying out of the abundance of the heart of the spirit, the mouth speaks. Notice the connection between your words and your spirit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, James will say something to this effect, and he'll say, How is it, brethren, that the same mouth that pronounces blessings pronounces curses? These things ought not be so. In other words, we shouldn't be speaking out of both sides of our mouths. We shouldn't be saying one thing on one occasion, saying something else on the other occasion. That's what James says in chapter 1, is being double-minded, not consistent in your words. Because remember, even as with the woman with the issue of blood, the reason what she said was her face speaking is out of the abundance of the heart or the spirit, the mouth speaks. Whether you know it or not, speaking is not just an activity to pass away the time. It's a spiritual exercise. Well, I wish I could get that across to people. Speaking is a spiritual exercise. Now, we, we treat it casually. I mean, it's a means of communication, and we talk about how much we enjoy talking to certain people and our friends and loved ones and all that kind of stuff, and that's fine. Don't mean to minimize those things, but don't ever forget that speaking words is a spiritual exercise, no matter who you're talking to or what you're talking about. It's a spiritual exercise. I think if we took that to heart, most of us would speak a lot less. Let's say it this way. Your words... Are your faith is your faith speaking? Whatever you're saying, your words is your faith speaking. Now notice, let's keep reading here in Luke chapter 6. Jesus has just said, A good man out of the good treasure, verse 45 again, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, spirit, brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart or spirit brings forth that which is evil. Now how does he do that? By the words that he speaks. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. In other words, your words is your faith speaking, even if it's faith in the wrong thing. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Doubt and unbelief comes exactly the same way. Faith comes by hearing God's word. Doubt and unbelief comes by hearing the devil's word. To what end? Well, Both the word of God and the devil's words are intended to get you to speak in line with what they say. God wants you to say what he says. The devil wants you to say what he says. The devil wants to bring doubts to your mind so that you'll pick those up and speak them. Because as soon as you speak them, you have just engaged in a spiritual exercise that will rob you of the blessings of God. So Jesus says that the good and the evil man can be identified by his words for, here's the reason, Out of the abundance of the heart, or spirit, the mouth will speak. Verse 36, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Notice it's not just the words that we speak, but the things that we do. He hadn't changed subjects here. He's talking about your words govern your life, and also your actions. Specifically, he's going to talk about acting in line with his word, God's word. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built his house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth 
against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Notice two things he's talking about. He's talking about your words and being a doer of God's word. Now turn with me over to James chapter 1. Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I want you to see this principle is all throughout the Bible. James chapter 1. Let's start in verse 21. James is speaking to the church and he says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That's got to be one of the worst translations in the whole of the scripture. Not that it's incorrect, but it's just hard for us to understand. Nobody knows what superfluity of naughtiness is. So let's paraphrase this. Let's put this in terms that we understand. Lay aside all body-ruled thinking and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, saving of the soul is the same thing that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 12 when he spoke up in verse 2 about the renewing of the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's paraphrase it again. Wherefore, lay apart all body-ruled thinking and receive with meekness. Be teachable to receive God's word because that's able to change your thought life. Now, notice another word in there, the engrafted word. What is the engrafted word? Well, we know something about grafting plants or grafting trees together. It's taking two trees, the rootstock of two different trees, and grafting them together, cutting them together, and binding them together so that they become one tree. I've got a a citrus tree in my backyard that uh, when I bought it, they called it a fruit salad. It produces five different kinds of fruit, five different kinds of citrus trees or citrus fruit. One of them died, but but even now I get four different kinds of fruit off that one tree. One of the the limbs, one of the grafts didn't take. It passed the first year, and so it died, so I don't have limes anymore. But I've got four different types of citrus on that one tree. Now, how did they do that? They took two different parts or parts of two different trees and grafted them together. And now they're growing together like they were born that way. If trees were born, you know what I mean? Like it was made that way. So the engrafted word is something that's grafted in or bound to your heart, your spirit. So that it becomes a part of you. Let's back up and say it again. Wherefore. Lay apart all body-ruled thinking. Body-ruled means sense-oriented or sense-ruled. Your five physical senses or your natural circumstances dictating your thought life. Lay apart all body-ruled thinking and receive with meekness. Be teachable to receive the Word of God into your spirit. Because that will change your thinking. That will change your thinking. Now notice he goes on in verse 22. But... In other words, he's not through talking, he's not through giving instruction, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if a man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, meaning a mirror. For he beholds himself, sees who he is and goes his way, meaning turns away from the mirror and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. Please notice that phrase, and continueth therein. In other words, doesn't look away. Doesn't look away from what the word of God says about who he is. 
but continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Notice he says that you will be blessed to the degree that you do the word of God. Now, what does he say is doing the word of God? He says continuing in it, not letting it depart from before your eyes, not looking away from the mirror of God's word and the description that God gives us of who we are in Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart or spirit, this man's religion is vain. Now, what does bridle your tongue mean? Doesn't that mean control your words? So you can have an appearance of godliness. You can have an appearance of righteousness. You can have an appearance of being a doer of the word. But if you're not controlling your tongue, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says you're deceiving your own heart. Now, heart means the same thing in these verses that it did over when Jesus was talking about the heart. In Luke chapter 6, you're deceiving your own spirit. Notice how you deceive your spirit by not controlling your words. By not controlling your words. Now remember he talks about the difference between the forgetful hearer and the man that continues therein. How do we continue in the word of God? Well let's look back to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Even the Old Testament principles are the same as the New Testament principles. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of law or the word of God in other words. Shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now what is the purpose of meditating in the word of God? To receive with meekness the engrafted word. Meditating in the word of God is is receiving with meekness the engrafted word that James talked about. He said, put away all body ruled thinking and receive with meekness. Be teachable to receive the word of God into your own spirit. How do you do that? Well, that's what Joshua chapter 1 or what God said talking to Joshua in chapter 1 and verse 8 was meditating in the word day and night. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. Notice he's talking about being a doer of the word too. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now let me paraphrase this verse of Scripture for you. When he says this this book of the law, meaning the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, that's the same thing as him saying, speak the word of God continually. You remember over in James chapter 1, we just read in about verse 23, 24, somewhere around there. It said the the doer of the word, the man that does the word, is not a forgetful hearer, but he continues therein. How do you continue in the word? By speaking it. How do you receive with meekness the engrafted word? By speaking what God's word says. By saying it. How often do we say it? Well, the Bible tells us to speak the word of God continually. Over and over and over again. This book of the law or this word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. Speak the word of God continually. And make it a part of your heart. Meditate therein day and night means to make it a part of your heart, your spirit. How do we do that? By speaking the word of God continually. Make the word of God part of your spirit so that you can do what it tells you to do. Now, folks, speaking the word of God is doing the word. But there are times where we'll speak the word of God and then our heart will be quickened. Our spirits will become enlightened to something that we need to do according to what the Bible tells us to do. It's one thing to confess giving. It's another thing to give. 
So there are some times and some occasions where there's going to take action on our part to line up with what we say concerning God's word. Now, why do we want to do that? Why is it that we are supposed to speak the word of God continually to make it a part of our spirits? And that's what does it. That's what makes the word of God part of your spirit. That's how you receive with meekness the engrafted word. You make it a part of your spirit by speaking it continually so that we can do it. Put it in practice in our life. Remember, James said, the doer is blessed in his deed. You'll be blessed to the degree that you do the word of God. Now, that also that includes not only speaking the word of God, but acting on it as well. That's what brings blessing into our lives. That's what brings the blessings of God into reality in our situations and in our circumstances. So he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Speak the word of God continually and make it a part of your spirit. So that you can do what it says to do. For then you'll make your way prosperous. This is the means. This is the method for making your way prosperous and having good success in everything that you do. Now, how many of you want to have good success in receiving your healing? The Bible just told you how to do it. I don't know about you, but I want to have good success in everything I do. Receiving from God is certainly an area I want to have good success. Walking in God's will is one, one area that I want to have good success. Matter of fact, I can't think of an area I don't want to have good success except sin. And if I confess the word and act on it, I'm pretty safe. Wouldn't you agree? So notice what he's saying. Speak the word of God continually and make it a part of your spirit so that you can do what it tells you to do. Notice both your words and your actions are from your spirit. Spiritual exercise. For then... By speaking the word of God, making it a part of your spirit and acting on it, then you'll have good success. And then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Now, back up a couple of verses in this chapter, Joshua chapter one. And notice that this is God speaking to to Joshua as Joshua takes over the leadership of the children of Israel. He's going to take Moses place. He says in verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that the Old Testament promise that we have fulfilled in Jesus? The New Testament promise is fulfilled in the word of God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. In other words, he can't stand before you. You resist him according to the word of God. Submit yourselves to the word of God and then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He won't be able to stand before you. So Joshua is an Old Testament type of what belongs to us. So notice what God tells Joshua as the type that's fulfilled in Jesus for you and me. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. God says that like it's a choice. You know why? Because it is. How many of you want to be a strong Christian? How many of you want to be a courageous Christian? Here's the way to do it. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance, the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Anytime God tells his people something twice, especially two times in a row, he's trying to make a point. Notice he's saying to Joshua, I've got great plans for you. But whether or not they're fulfilled is up to you as much as it is to me. You're going to have to be strong and of good courage. Now, folks, verses 5, 6, and 7 don't seem to fit together. Unless you understand some spiritual truth. 
Because God just said in verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you. I'll be like, I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. Well, Moses parted the Red Sea. Moses called down fire from heaven. Moses brought down plagues, ten plagues in, in the land of Egypt, so that the children of Israel were delivered with a strong and mighty hand. Moses lifted up his hands, and they won the battle against the Amalekites. Now he had help, lifting up his hands. Aaron and Hur had to prop his hands up because the battle took longer than Moses was able to keep his hands up. But that's still Moses. So it seems to me like, in, uh, at least according to natural thought, it seems to me like if Joshua, if I'm Joshua, and I heard God say, I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. Nobody will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Man, I'm going to start sticking out my chest. I'm going to start thinking, you've got to be kidding. Woo-hoo! Man, are we going to have fun with this? This is going to be great. And then God says, be strong and of good courage. Why? Why am I going to have to be strong and of good courage? You just told me I'd, you'd be with me like you would with Moses, and no man would be able to stand before me all the days of my life. What do I have to be strong and courageous about? Because it's not going to work the way Joshua thought it was going to work in every situation. Just like it doesn't work the way that you and I think it's going to work in every situation. There are times where you'll submit yourself to the Lord and resist the devil, and he won't flee right away. He'll wait to see how strong and courageous you are. He'll wait and see how much you believe what you're saying. Folks, if everything, if all the spiritual truths and spiritual blessings of God worked and were received instantly, there'd be no such thing as faith. Now, we think about it just the opposite. We think, oh, people with great faith get instant results. No, people with great faith stand in faith for a long time in spite of the circumstances. Great faith holds on no matter what it looks like. Anybody can hold on when things change instantly. I've always been impressed with F.F. Wadsworth's statement, who ministered healing to hundreds of thousands of people and saw hundreds of thousands of people saved or healed, rather, in his meetings and through his ministry. I've always been impressed by the fact that he said sometimes our instant healings are a curse to us. Because people that are healed instantly don't know how to stand in faith for themselves. Now, a lot of those people, when they get their healings instantly, they think, oh, it's my great faith that brought about this result. And then the devil comes right on the heels of that great experience and knocks them for a loop. And they don't know what to do then because they don't get instant results. Interesting that a healing minister like that with such, such success as, as Bosworth had, would say that about instant healings. Because that's what everybody's after. I mean, let's face it. Everybody wants instant healings. The ministers want instant healings because it makes them look good. You and I want to receive instantly because we don't want to have to stand in faith and through the discomfort and the inconvenience of holding on through days and weeks and months. Everybody wants instant healings. Yet he said, oftentimes they're a curse to us. Folks, learn to see faith the way God sees it. Faith won't turn loose no matter what and no matter how long. So, God tells Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. You're going to have to decide to be strong and courageous. And he tells it to him twice. Only be strong and courageous. Only be thou strong and be thou courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to the law. Do you know it takes courage to do the word of God? Why is that? Because everything in life, everything about your five physical senses, everything about your circumstances is going to try to pull you away 
to say anything and everything except what the Word says and do anything and everything except do what God's Word says to do. It takes courage. It takes courage to stand in the face of well-meaning Christians that say, you're nuts. I don't understand how you can say that you're, you received your healing because everybody can see that you're not well. It takes courage to stand in the face of that. Nobody likes to be ridiculed. Nobody likes to be made fun of. Nobody likes to experience shame in the face of anybody else. But, oh, the Bible says if you'll hang on, cast not away your confidence. It says it has great recompense of reward. And the scripture will come to pass. No one that calls upon him shall be ashamed. That brings me great comfort. I don't know about you, but that brings me great comfort. God says, I'll see you through no matter what it looks like today and no matter what anybody thinks about it right now. I'll see you through. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Well, if we're talking about speaking your faith, he means don't say anything else. No matter what it looks like on the right hand, no matter what it looks like on the left hand, don't say anything except what God's word says. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And here's how you're going to do it. Speak the word of God continually. And make it a part of your spirit. And then do what it tells you to do. For then you'll make your way prosperous. And then you'll have good success. Finally turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. The great um, scriptures that Jesus gave on faith. When he had cursed the fig tree. Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. The day before, Jesus had said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. That's all he said. He didn't say it's the will of God for you to die, tree. He said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it, and Peter the next morning called him to remembrance and said, Look, Master, the tree that you cursed yesterday is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, verse 22, Have faith in God. I like another translation that says, reckon on God's faithfulness. Reckon on God's faithfulness. Why should we reckon on God's faithfulness? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you speak God's word, you make it a part of your spirit. And then when you speak it from your spirit, your words come to pass. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to tell them. Reckon on God's faithfulness. Folks, you need to understand something. God is faithful to honor his word when it comes out of your mouth. And the only thing that can break God's faithfulness to honor his word coming out of your mouth is for you to change what comes out of your mouth. If you refuse to change the words that come out of your mouth, it is impossible for God's word to fail. It's impossible for God's faithfulness to honor his word coming out of your mouth or the words that you speak. It's impossible for him to fail to honor that word. Impossible. Smith Wigglesworth used to stand up in the crowd of people with the greatest and most difficult uh, situation of sickness or disease or crippled condition or whatever it was in the auditorium. And he'd laugh and he said, you don't think God's not going to honor his word tonight, do you? I love that. Man, for that kind of boldness to operate in God's word. Thank God we're getting there. You don't think God's not going to honor his word tonight, do you? Well, that made people think. Rather than looking at it and saying, well, is anything going to happen? They started looking at it and said, well, wait a minute. The word says we've got it. 
just a change of perspective, and he'd do signs and wonders in front of them. God would honor his word. People asked Wigglesworth, they said, what kind of special power? What's the secret to your power? And he said, I don't have any special power. He said, I've got the word of God. Now, folks, I don't have any doubt in reading after his uh, um, experiences and so forth. I don't have any doubt that God used him in special faith. But what's the difference in your faith and special faith? What is the person operating in it? There's nothing. No, there's no difference. There may be a difference on God's end because faith works the same way, whether it's saving faith or whether it's uh, just living as a Christian faith or whether it's special faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Faith always works the same, believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. But you're never the one that is the source of the faith. Faith always comes by hearing. So as far as Wigglesworth was concerned, and this is what he said, as far as Wigglesworth was concerned, he's just operating in what seemed to him to be normal faith. And he didn't understand why everybody else wasn't doing the same thing. Well, they didn't have the same measure of confidence because they didn't have the same ministry that he had. But to him, it seems like I'm just believing God's word. So why shouldn't it be the same for us when it comes to believing God's word? I can't do anything about what special things God spoke to Wigglesworth for or how he uh, instructed him or impressed upon him to apply the word of God. If he doesn't use me in the same kind of ministry, I can't do anything about that. But I can take the word of God for myself. And I can be just as bold and just as strong and just as adamant on the truth of God's word and what's written to me as you can concerning what's written to you. That can be the same measure as Wigglesworth had for the things that God directed him to do as uh, as a part of the ministry that he gave him. See, faith is the same in essence. It may be different in, in levels and measure. But unless it's something that God gives to somebody because of a ministry calling upon their life, like it seems to me like Wigglesworth had, then I can be just as bold in what the Word of God says belongs to me as Wigglesworth was in ministering healing to others. And so can you. Are you with me? Jesus answering said, have faith in God. Reckon on God's faithfulness. God cannot fail to honor his word. Well, how do we reckon on God's faithfulness? Notice what Jesus said in verse 23. For verily I say unto you, truly I say unto you. Now, when Jesus is trying to emphasize something by saying, now this is the truth. You can count on this. He's trying to get their attention. This is not just a normal saying. He wants them to get this. Now, we already know from, the, from some things that we put together, we already know the principles of faith and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We understand that our words, our spoken words, are a spiritual exercise. Jesus has just demonstrated a spiritual exercise in front of them. He said to the tree, no man eat fruit of the hereafter forever. And the next day is dead, dried up from the roots. He's just shown them what the exercise of his spirit of man's spirit can do. And now he's going to explain to him how it works. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say. Notice faith. The first connection that Jesus put to, to this thing called faith. Are the words that come out of your mouth. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. Now heart's got to mean spirit here. Just like it did in the other verses. So if he's talking about not doubting his heart, we've already seen out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We've already seen Jesus tell the, the, uh, the crowds in Luke chapter 6, it's not right to speak 
curses and blessings out of the same mouth. It's not right to, to, uh, to fail to control your words. James 1. He's talking about not saying anything to the contrary. In other words, Jesus is saying, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and not say anything else about it. Not say anything else about it. That doesn't mean he says it only once. There may be things that we have to say again and again to make God's word as a part of a heart. But not say anything to the contrary. Not say anything to the contrary. Notice Jesus said faith speaks one and only one thing. In our case, that should be the word of God. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, shall not speak to the contrary, but shall believe in his heart. How do you believe in your heart? By continuing to say. By continuing to say. But shall believe in his heart, in his spirit, that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Let me paraphrase verse 23 for you. Whosoever shall speak the word of God and speak the word of God only shall receive whatever the word of God spoken says. Whosoever shall speak the word of God and speak the word of God only shall have whatever the word of God says is his. Whosoever shall speak the word of God and speak the word of God only shall have whatsoever the word of God says is his. I like that. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Whosoever shall speak the word of God and speak the word of God only. We know that works. Joshua 1.8, God told Joshua to speak the word of God continually, make it a part of his spirit, and do what it says to do, and he'd be prosperous and successful in everything that he does. James tells us to control our words. Why? So that we can continue in the word of God. How do you continue in the word of God? To speak it and speak it alone or speak it only. Speak only the word of God and do what it says to do because the man that does the word is blessed in his deed. All these things are all these scriptures, all these passages are saying exactly the same thing, folks, in different words. Speak the word of God and speak it only. The woman with issue of blood, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, for she said, she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice she didn't feel anything until after she acted on the word. A lot of times people want to feel something. They want to act on their five physical senses, thinking based on their five physical senses. James one twenty one says, put that away. And instead receive the word of God into your spirit. How do you do that? By speaking it. Joshua 1.8 says to speak the word of God continually and make it a part of your spirit. So lay aside your body ruled or sense ruled thinking and speak the word of God continually. It'll change your thinking. It'll change your life. Jesus said to the woman with issue of blood, daughter, your faith has made you whole. What she said was her face speaking. What'd she say? She said what she believed. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Speak the word only, folks. No matter what it looks like, cast not away your confidence. Cast not away the profession of your faith. Hold fast to the profession of your faith. 
No matter what it looks like, no matter how long it's been, no matter what the devil says about how long it's been, no matter what, speak the word of God only. Jesus said that it will come to pass. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you for the privilege that we have to speak the word of God only. To be doers of the word of God and not hearers only. Father, we won't be like those who fail to control our words and deceive our own spirits. We won't be like those that try to speak good things out of an evil heart or a heart of unbelief. But instead, we'll put your word in our heart and speak it continually and expect the word of God to come to pass. We'll reckon on your faithfulness to honor your word in our lives, Father. Thank you, Father, that healing is ours because the word of God says so. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.